0: Alright, soul company, bring it back in. If if someone just used that icebreaker meet and greet question to actually ask someone out, that's amazing. And if you were the person that was asked out, you should say yes just simply for the story and because it took courage. So that's, that's what I got. Uh, my name's Colin. Uh, I'm on staff here with Salt Company. Uh, we say this every week, but we really mean it, which is that if you're new, uh, welcome. Come say hi. We'd love to meet you. Uh, we, we say that for a reason because uh, this isn't a... This, we don't have a closed door policy as a whole company. We actually have an open door policy. It's always a great week for it to be your first week. Uh, so if, this, if that's you today, uh, tonight, we are so glad that you're here. We really mean it when we say we want to meet you, we want to hear your story, we want to get to know uh, what, what brought you here. Tonight, we're going to be continuing in our series uh, called Scandalous Stories. We're looking at the grace of God in the parables of Jesus. And so we're going to be in Matthew 13 tonight. So if you have a Bible, uh, pull it out. That's where we'll be. That's where we were last week. But we're looking at a different parable this week. Uh, As you turn there, uh, I just finished reading a a book this last week. Uh, It's a book called Extreme Ownership. It's written by a Navy SEAL. And uh, in it, the Navy SEAL, uh, his name's Jocko, which is just an epic name. Uh, and in it, he, he like, recounts uh, his time as a Navy SEAL uh, in combat, but also in training. And I'm just, like, my mind is blown. I've watched documentaries. I've read books. I've, like, done the, done the deep dive into Navy SEALs because the life is so fascinating. But it, it blows my mind how much work energy, blood sweat and tears literally goes into protecting our country and and minimizing the threats uh, against the safety of the American people right they're trying to minimize the threats of the safety of the American people and so I was I was thinking about this is like man our country is really good at at fighting threats like we have a full-blown, uh, military that, that fights the threats to our country uh, but it, but it's not just the military that we see it. Uh, you guys learn about it in business class like a SWOT analysis, right um, Business acquisitions if you can't beat them, buy them right like we you, we all want to win we, we want to minimize uh, threats uh, thinking through more ways we minimize threats like credit card companies they alert you when it's like hey this might be a fraudulent charge. Uh and then the last one, uh, for any of you like sports fans out there, why do you why do you do scouting? Why do you watch film ahead of time right? Like you're trying to minimize the threats that the other team possesses And so our country and and the world we live in, things externally, we're really good at recognizing and fighting threats, but my fear is that our world is really good at fighting threats of security, success and safety, but we are terrible at fighting threats of our souls. And so tonight, we're going to look at a story where Jesus is going to lay out some of the threats to our souls. And we're, and we're just going to walk through that story. So it's it's a story about us being plants or really being seeds thrown in soil, and and that soil is going to reveal something that's true of our souls that I think will be helpful for us as we leave this place. And so we're going to start in Matthew 13, verse 3. We're going to read for a little bit, so stick with me. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they did not, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. But seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil, and produced grain: some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So remember, this is. A parable. This is a story where Jesus is trying to illustrate a, a deeper truth of what's happening in the world, specifically what's happening in our souls when we hear words from Him. Here, what we hear Him say to us, this is a story of how we receive those words. And we all want to be the, the seed sown in good soil. Like we want our life to count, we want to have a multiplication effect on our life where our influence extends. But I think for a lot of us, sometimes the, the threat of, to our soft soil is masked. We don't see it immediately in the world. And so like some of the other parables of Jesus, he actually doesn't just like leave us out to dry. A couple verses later, he just gives us a plain explanation of what he means. So you can see the disciples like, Jesus, what are you talking about? And he says he says this, so skip down to verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. As for the one sown in good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another, sixty, in another, thirty. We all want to be this good soil, but my fear is that we're unaware of the threats that are in our lives to having this good soil. To having this life where the words of Jesus are sown deep in our souls, where we can have a multiplication effect to the world around us. And so like last week, I want to clarify, this is not a, a story of how we achieve the kingdom of how we work really hard to understand the words of Jesus. No, no, no. This is a story of how we receive the words of Jesus. What's what's the condition of my heart that when I hear things from God, that's how it lands? So this is a a story that points us to how we receive the words of Jesus. Because like I said at the beginning, there are threats to that. And our world is great at fighting them, and I'm not sure... We are great at fighting them. And so I, I hope tonight that you would begin to see the threats that are out there for your soul and that you would start to take them seriously because Jesus takes them seriously. And so how are we going to do that? We're going we're gonna to look at three stories in the Bible where people actually fell to the threats that Jesus talks about here. So, we're going to look at three stories of three people that fall to the threats that are still around us today. And so, as we jump in, we're going to three threats to soft soil. And my question for you as I walk through this tonight is are you taking that threat seriously? Here are the three threats it's denial, denial along paved paths, it's suffering. In shallow roots, and it's flirting with suffocating thorns. So the first one we're going to look at, denial along paved paths. So this is what I'm saying. It's when you hear the word, but you're hard to it. You hear it, but you kind of keep it at an arm's distance. When you believe the gospel has something to say to someone else, but nothing to say to you. Or it's when you believe that God's word applies to to most situations, but not the situation or the circumstance that you happen to be in. It's that you deny God's word because of your pride. You listen to it, but you don't believe it. You hear, but you don't understand. But it's not just that you don't understand, it's that you don't work to let it fall on your heart. You don't work to understand it. You just kind of push it away. And that the soft soil that it that you have that that's going to receive the word and create a multiplication effect is actually trapped beneath paved paths of pride. That your pride has gone before it and, and trapped all the good soil under it. And so the best way that we can understand this in a story in the Bible is, is through a character named Caiaphas. So Caiaphas is part of this Judah... Judah... Judaism, hello, that was a hard, I have said that word before. Let's try again. Caiaphas is a part of a sect of Judaism, hello, uh, that's rigorous and, and works hard to uphold the law. Basically, they they followed all the rules and did all the right things. Caiaphas is the type of person that shows up to church on time. He probably comes early. He knows when to raise his hand, and he knows the right answers to all the questions. Caiaphas isn't just a religious man. He's actually one of the most prominent religious men during the ministry of Jesus. He is the high priest. He had unquestioned religious and political authority in jerusalem and the surrounding regions so this dude knew what was up that's not all that's not all we we need to know about caiaphas because as the the words of jesus began to spread and people in the towns began to hear about what was happening about this man that was teaching and and performing miracles caiaphas wanted something to say about that right and so Jesus ends up getting arrested and they bring Jesus into the court that Caiaphas holds. And, and Caiaphas is like, hey, I, I, I'm hearing all these things about you. And right he underneath, is probably feeling pretty threatened because Jesus is like, he's gaining this following and, and people want to hear him teach and they're not listening to Caiaphas as much anymore. And so he he just asks him straight up, like, Jesus, are you who you say you are? Are you the son of God? And, and Jesus kind of does his, like, Answers the question kind of thing where, where he just doesn't deny it. He's like, if you say that I am, so what does Caiaphas do? He he says, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna kill you. Like we're we're just gonna kill you. Why? Why? Because he's so threatened. Like he wants to keep the teachings of Jesus so far out. Like his pride is just he's denying that Jesus has anything good to say. He's keeping it so far away, it's so much so that he's just like, we're gonna kill you. Okay, that's not even where the story of Caiaphas ends. So they do end up killing Jesus. But in the book of Acts, we see again followers of Jesus who are like performing miracles and teaching people about Jesus are brought again before Caiaphas. And this time he watches a miracle happen in front of his face. You can read this in the book of Acts. He watched the miracle happen in front of his face. So he can't like say you have no power because they clearly have power. So he's in this pickle and he's just like, This is legitimately what Caiaphas says to him. He's like, just shut up. Like, go and don't say anything to anyone because I can't deny your power, but I also can't acknowledge your power because if I acknowledge your power, then I wouldn't be as powerful. And so he's just like trying to deny that anything's existing, anything's happening in the world. He's just pushing it away. He's saying, no, 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 I just don't want anything to do with it. Just keep it far from me. This is Caiaphas, but my fear is that we all have a little bit of Caiaphas in us. That we all, to some level, want to deny or reject the teachings of Jesus, even the ones right in front of our faces. Even when miracles happen in front of us, when people's lives are changed in front of us, we can still want to push it away and say, That's great for you, but it doesn't have to be true of me. That like Caiaphas, our soft soil has been paved over by our denial and our pride. Unable for God's word to take root in us. And so for you, are you quicker to listen to your opinion over the opinion of the Bible? If that's true, maybe you have a little Caiaphas in you. Do you make small confession, concessions on what you know is right because you don't want the Bible to, to threaten the life that you want? Maybe you have a little Caiaphas in you. Jesus is reminding us that the threat of our pride and our denial is real. That there's a real threat out there where our pride paves a path that no longer lets the seed fall on Good soil, on soft soil. So that's the first threat, denial on paved paths. Here's the second one, threat two, suffering in shallow roots. This is the seed that's planted on rocky soil. So there is some, some ability for for the plant to, to sprout up, but, but really no ability for it to go down. So it, this is someone who receives the words of Jesus and is like, yes, yes. Amen. I want to follow him. I want to give my life to him. There's so much joy. This has changed everything about my life and is so focused on like the the outward, what's happening outwardly, that there's no focus on what's happening internally. You see, the, the threat arises when that person gets kicked in the gut and life gets a little harder than expected because the suffering causes the shallow roots to be exposed. I I want to say that clearly again. The problem isn't suffering. We all suffer. Everyone here has and will suffer. Life will get hard. The problem isn't suffering. The problem is that suffering exposes the shallow roots. And the threat of shallow roots is seen in a character in the Old Testament named Saul. Saul was not just any character in the Old Testament, but he was actually the king of Israel. He was the first king of Israel. He was God's chosen king of Israel. And so Saul is like anointed king of Israel and has an amazing run initially where he, he's defeating all of these armies, all the, all the people God has for him to defeat. He, he starts to defeat and he sees victory and the people love having a king and so they love Saul but it doesn't last very long. They're, they're encouraged by Saul and they're encouraged by God's choice until eventually another man comes along. Another man comes along that, that the people now love even more. That the people now shout his name more than Saul's name. So it's when his approval rating is low that his shallow roots are exposed the suffering isn't the problem, it's the suffering that exposes this the seed that's been superficial the whole time, just sitting on the surface. So what King Saul does is King Saul is, is like, okay, this is a problem. So then he tries to kill anyone and everyone that's against him. So he's going out, he's, he's trying to find people and kill them. Saul's suffering is causing him to like trust himself like man I just need to take this into my own hands and and if I can get my grasp around this this suffering then I can see victory over this suffering and I I don't really want to trust in God anymore and so though though I was good with God at first now now I think the best way to fight what's going on in my life is to leave him and and get control of it myself by killing people by like raising up armies and and by taking my life back into my own hands It wasn't, it wasn't that God now was raising up another man that was the problem. It wasn't the suffering, the approval ratings being down that was the problem. It was Saul's response to that. And so what was God's response to Saul? God's response to Saul was to take the blessing from Saul. Because he refused to let the words of God go deep into his soul. It was easier, it was easier for it to be superficial for it to stay on the surface. God's words remained in shallow soil and then they got scorched by suffering. And so with us, my fear is that we see suffering as the biggest threat, not shallow soil as the biggest threat. my, My fear is that When we see suffering as the biggest threat, our seeds are going to remain superficial. This is what Richard Foster says about our current age. He says this. He says, superficiality is the curse of our age. This idea that we let things just stay on the surface and not go deep into our soul is the curse of our age. And so my question for you is, do you view suffering as the threat or shallow roots as the threat? Do you try to avoid suffering at all costs, or do you say, I know suffering is going to come, and so I'm going to grow deep roots that believe God's words? My fear is that we're going to live so much of our life in this shallow soil of superficiality where we just let things stay on the surface, and then the thing that's going to expose that, that's going to drop out the bottom of our life, is that something hard is going to inevitably end up hitting us. And we're gonna say, man, I needed way more to stand on than just this. We all have a little King Saul in us, adamant about a life of ease and resistant to growing deep roots. And so for you, do you do you know God's word enough to trust him in hard seasons? Are you are you spending five minutes in the morning just reading the Bible, getting to know the truths of God so that When life kicks you in the gut, you can go recall them and meditate on them and believe them. And not go to trusting in your own power, but go to trusting in God's words. Do you refuse to believe that you know more than God? Are you holding tight to God, even in the darkest valleys of your life, saying, I'm not going to let him go. I'm going to continue to trust and believe and have hope. Or is the suffering going to just scorch shallow roots? So that's the, that's the second threat. Is it suffering? Again, isn't the problem, but that it's going to expose the problem, which is that it has shallow roots. The first one being denial along paved paths. Here's the third one. Third threat to the soft soil of our souls is that we flirt or flirting with suffocating thorns. This is this is the seed planted in soil that begins to grow but neglects to recognize the neighbor that it's growing next to. This is the person who says yes to following Jesus and starts to grow into the life that God has for them but also tries to keep close the thing the world tries to keep close the things the world wants you to keep close tries to hold on to their, Their sense of popularity or their desire for fame or their desire for riches. The threat is that the person flirts with the rose but doesn't see the thorns. That sees all the good the world is promising but not the pain that it might cause. And if the flirting, if the engaging with these cultural things doesn't stop, if it goes ignored, the thorns will eventually choke out the life of the plant. And so this is actually seen best in a pretty, not a very well-known character in the New Testament named Demas. Demas appears a, a few times. What we know about him uh, is that he's a disciple of Jesus. He's following Jesus and he's he's actually really close to the greatest missionary of all time who's also talked about in the Bible named Paul. And so Demas and Paul work together to bring the gospel to The known world at the time when Paul is in prison in Rome, we hear in the book of Philemon that uh, that Demas actually helps him bring the gospel out. Cultural records would say that Demas likely spent time in prison with Paul as well. He was in prison for the sake of the gospel. You can imagine, like, him and Paul are tight. They're best friends. They're they're literally changing the world together. History would actually point to the fact that they changed the world together. But what happens next will will catch you off guard. You see, we aren't told much about the end of Demas' life. But we are told something. This is what Paul ends up writing later. For Demas, in love with this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So you can hear the pain in Paul's words for Demas, for this friend of mine, for this brother in Christ, for this missionary that I've served alongside, has deserted me. Not just left me, deserted me. Which when you do a study of that word, it means left me when I needed him most. Why? because he was in love with this present world. We don't know what it was. We don't know if it was money, if it was fame, if it was ease. But Demas, a man that has far more credentials than anyone in this room, fell because he was flirting with the thorns of this world. And at some point along the way, those thorns suffocated the faith that he had. As I was studying this, I was reminded that I'm not immune to the thorns of this world. I don't want to flirt with the love of money, with power, with popularity, with success, or anything else that could tempt me towards being a Demas. Because what I've found is that it's rarely one event. It's rarely one one time thing that you decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm no longer going to follow Jesus, but it's, it's small steps in the wrong direction. Small steps that go uncorrected for long enough. I don't think Demas made one terrible decision. I would guess he made small compromises along the way. And I don't want to have a Demas ending to my story, and I don't want you to have a Demas ending to your story. So for you... Are there things in this world that you're flirting with? What, if you're honest with yourself, do you maybe love more than you love Jesus? Success, your grades, your popularity, your future fame. Maybe another way of asking that is where do you see your thoughts, feelings, and emotions trending towards? Is it towards the things of God or is it towards other things? Because my fear is that if you flirt with it for long enough, you might become a Demas. So it's, to review, it's three threats to good soil. It's Caiaphas's denial along paved paths. It's the belief that we don't need what God has to say. It's King Saul's suffering in shallow roots. The belief that when suffering comes, we get through it on our own. It's Demas' flirting with suffocating thorns. It's when you love things in the world and you hold them so closely that they eventually choke you out from the love of the person of Jesus. Three threats that like a scout team or anti-terrorism or, or credit card fraud need to be studied, seen, and fought for the sake of the words of Jesus planting deep in our souls. For us to grow deep roots Believing and trusting in God. So I was reading this book recently called Soul Keeping. Uh, a book written by a guy named John Ortberg. Uh, and it, it was really encouraging to my soul. And, and it, it reminded me not to lose heart. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a quote from the book. It says this. Talking about the, the soil hardened by denial and pride. He says this. Underneath hardness is often fear. The fear of being rejected the fear of looking foolish, the fear of being hurt, the fear of broken pride. But some souls can be saved when soil gets soft. It takes a little, just a tiny bit of softness in the soil to give the seed a chance. The seed is strong, stronger than you can imagine. One tiny seed can break up a sidewalk if it can find a little room to breathe. I love this the hardened soil is more vulnerable to being saved than it knows. And so it is with the shallow soil and and so it is with the thorn-filled soil. It's closer to being saved than it knows. And so tonight I want to end by telling you three more stories of three people that remind me of the first but have different outcomes. So the first one is a story of a man that's a lot like Caiaphas, a religious leader. His name's Nicodemus, with similar struggles, thinking that, may, man, maybe I don't need this, because I kind of know all the answers. I have it all together, but then we're told in the book of John that, that Nicodemus, at night, when no one's going to look, when, when he can kind of like, maybe he's embarrassed, maybe he doesn't want other people to see because he's got this pride, he actually goes and visits Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, tell, there's something different about you. Tell me what I need to know. Because he, he's worried about his reputation, so he goes at night, but he also wants to know what Jesus has to say to him. And it's this interaction with Nicodemus and Jesus that we get probably the Bible's most famous verse. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And so what is, what is Jesus saying to Nicodemus? He's saying, hey, even you with the hard soil, I've come to save you. You see where Nicodemus first visits Jesus at night, he then stands up for Jesus later, publicly, because he's seen that his hardened soil of his heart has grown soft to the words of Jesus. So in Nicodemus, we find the first characteristic of soft soil, which is humility. So to fight the pride that we see in Caiaphas, we need to see the humility of Nicodemus. I'll go at night and just give Jesus a chance. The second character looks a lot like King Saul. He too is a king. He's actually the king that comes after Saul. His name's David. He, like Saul, is chosen by God. And like Saul, is threatened. His leadership is threatened. And unlike Saul, he actually, his own son tries to kill him. To take the throne from his dad. But instead of trusting in himself, David trusts in God. And this, when David is being chased by a sword of his own son, he writes this psalm, Psalm 63, it says this, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land, there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. He's being chased by the sword, and he writes this beautiful song of praise to God. Why? Because his trust isn't in himself. It's in a God who's going to hold him. So in David, we see the second characteristic of soft soil. It's praise. Praise even in the valley and even in the storm. So to fight the shallowness of King Saul, we actually need to see the deep worship of King David. And the third character looks a lot like Demas. He too was a follower of Jesus named Peter. See, many of us know Peter. He's one of the 12 disciples uh, of Jesus. But what we also know about Peter is that in Jesus' greatest moment of need, when he's being arrested and taken to Caiaphas, All his friends leave him, including Peter, who promised he'd never leave him. And when asked about it later, he says, I'm not with him. I don't know what he thought was being threatened, his future, his popularity. But he he tried to push it off. But that's not where the story ends. It's actually the story gets crazier because Jesus ends up dying having been betrayed by his best friends. Every single one of them left him. But if he would have stayed dead, that would have been the end of the story. All these shallow soil, hardened soil, thorny soil, it's hopeless. But Jesus rose from the dead, and his story with Peter doesn't stop there either, because. Jesus ends up going to visit Peter, but Peter's out in a boat, he's he's fishing, and one of Peter's friends looks at Peter and he's like, that guy on shore, I think it might be Jesus. And so what does Peter do next? This is, what, this is what it says. It says, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had stripped it for work and he threw himself into the sea. So what does he do? He actually puts on more clothes. He puts his coat back on and he jumps into the water because he's going to swim to Jesus. Because what's true is the deepest part of his life, Peter knows that his love isn't actually for the things of the world. It's for Jesus, his friend. He jumped off the boat to swim to Jesus. This is where we see a need for love. For a love of Jesus like Peter to fight the love of the world like Demas. So what is the threat to the soft soil of your heart? Is it a heart paved with the pride that you need God's kind and correcting words to come and soften the soil? Not to leave it at a distance, but to soften the soil. Is it shallow soil that's scorched when suffering comes where you need now to hear God's words and focus on growing deep roots of faith, or is it thorns from the temptation of this world? that, if gone unmonitored and unchecked will end up choking out your faith, do you need to say, I need to keep those things, those thorns, I need to see the thorns in the rows and keep them at a distance because my ultimate love is for Jesus. So Soul what do we take these threats seriously? But I pray we also take hope seriously. That we'd be people who, when we're in the boat, surrounded by a sea of pride, a sea of suffering and a sea of distraction, that we would be people who look to the shore and see Jesus, open arms, awaiting our return, and that we jump in and swim to him. So Saul, come to you, let's pray. God, I see those threats in my own life. Thinking that I know better, that I can do better, God, that I want to keep suffering at a distance because I just don't want to test if my roots are deep or not, but God, help me grow deep roots. And God, I feel the temptation to love the things of this world, but give me a clearer picture of who you are, God, because when we get a clear picture of who you are, you're the only thing, the only thing that's worth loving and praising and growing deep roots and and believing your words. And so, God, let us see you on the shore, awaiting eagerly, open arms, saying, this is why I rose from the dead, so that the threats to your souls would no longer stand, because you're secure in me, because you're found in me, because you're protected by me. Jesus, all of those things are true. And so, would you help us believe it? Help us to see you more clearly, worship you more authentically, God. Love you more deeply. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.